Are you tired of using Google Drive or Dropbox to send files to clients? Well, never get burned again with FilePass. I love and use FilePass exclusively for sending files to my clients. It's a cloud file sharing website specifically made by engineers for engineers. It's absolutely amazing. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash FilePass to check out the full feature list and subscribe today. Never lose another dime to burned projects. Happy mixing, my friends, and enjoy the show. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin and Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to the Mixing Music Podcast. I'm your host, DK, and with me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Long Live Lou. <laughs> let's make that short-lived, huh? Let's, <laughs> let's die uh, young and pretty. <laughs> you know, as someone, as, as someone born in the blue zone, one of the, one of the few blue zones in the world, and none of my ancestors died before the ripe old age of 100, <laughs> That's actually a specific wish of mine. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I've seen all my great grandparents pass away, and that does not look fun. That does not look fun. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, that was dark. <laughs> Welcome back to the Mixing Music Podcast. Um, we're here, and we want to talk about something very important, something probably of interest to you, it should be of interest to you, something that is front of mind for many, many people. We want to talk about when and how to raise your prices. Mm-hmm. Basically, we want to talk about promotion, but most of us are self excuse me, most of us are self-employed. Thus, in order to go through a promotion, you have no boss to ask other than yourself. Yeah. And sometimes it's not about asking the question, it's also figuring out how the heck to do that. And sometimes where to go. Where to go, who to talk to, what to do, decisions to make. So we're going to talk about a few different options. Um, we're going to talk about different ways that we've done it. And we're going to talk about um, just a theory on this, kind of ideate. And hopefully you come up with some ideas and some basic understanding of how you can get paid more as a freelancer. Mm-hmm. Now, if you are working a corporate job, whether you're doing some sort of sound design and editing for a studio, maybe you are on some sort of contract mixing uh, that's very rare, um, very unlikely. But if it is happening, then that's typically going to be ask your boss, right? Yeah. <laughs> Build leverage and ask your boss. Um, we're, so maybe we could talk about what building leverage really means. 
Um, and uh, but yeah, most of most of the time, it's literally just us. And a lot of people are hobbyists trying to change over their career from being a hobbyist into a full-time mixer, full-time engineer. We're going to talk about some of that transition as well. So this is going to be a buffet of information. And feel free to pick and choose what you'd like. And just uh, you know, let all these ideas soak and take what you want, basically. So let's first talk about, and we're going to kind, kind of stay in the lane of mixing specifically, although this is going to be um, fairly universal. A lot of these topics are going to be, principles are going to be fairly universal. So up first, uh, let's talk about mixing. And the first step that I think most people need to do is the difference between hourly rate and project rate. Yeah. So honestly speaking, like there's a lot of people who will charge by the project because they're trying to ask the client, like, how much can you afford when they first start? You know, and that might be 50 bucks, might be 100 bucks, 150 bucks, whatever. Uh, point is, when you're first starting out, you, you don't really get the luxury of naming your price right away because you have no name, you have no credits, you may not even have a previous client list at that point. You know, you might have some friends, um, but if everybody was just joking around in the studio before you started taking it seriously, maybe not the best recordings to showcase your uh, portfolio with, right? Um, I mean, I know there's that crazy song, Dick, featuring Doja Cat, and I think that'd be an amazing song to play somebody of that demographic, but let's say you're trying to get into the pop world, that may not be the first song you put on your uh, resume. Um, but with that said, um, honestly speaking, part of it is try to do as many projects as you can for as cheap as you can so that you have a resume, you know, Ooh. trying to increase your rate, uh, you have to show a track record. Like people don't hire anybody that don't have a resume. Um, and that resume could be small. You know, uh, a good example of this is, um, you know, a friend of ours uh, w w recently was offered a promotion. Um, he's top of his district, actually, funny enough, and they offered him like a 20 cent raise. You know, and a promotion, meaning that he has more responsibilities, more everything, but they only offered him 20 cents as part of that raise. He went and spoke to somebody else, showing the same resume, showing the same numbers that this current job already had, and they offered him five times the raise and commissions and all these other things. Um, but it's because when he arrived to the first job, he didn't have a resume, so they could basically offer him anything they wanted because he didn't really have anything before. This new person is seeing him and saying, I like what you've done in the past. I'd like for you to come work with me and offer them more. So if you're looking to up your rate, first things first, start working with as many people as you can for whatever you can, because nobody's going to offer you a good amount when you have nothing before that. But once you can prove your track record and people see the consistency and the numbers that you're doing, then they're more likely to pay you more. There you go. So number one is in, in layman's terms, build a portfolio. And I think this is actually a really good point. Um, I would like to say that there are many other factors, but typically the two most important factors of whether or not you are charging, and on top of that, how much you're charging, the two most important factors are one, portfolio, which also equates to experience, how many people are on your portfolio, what genres you've worked with, that's very, like your specialty, um, like if you've been doing film scores, then probably, you know, YSL is not going to hire you for some young thug, you know, type stuff. Maybe, maybe that's the reason why they do, you know, you never know. And number two is actually branding. 
And this is where people start to charge significant amounts of money. Branding is actually very, very underappreciated and it's very obvious to all of us, but it's often forgotten and swept under the rug. If you are the type of person that is branded as high-end, expensive, uh, very attentive to details, um, very sophisticated even or whatever, other things, very popular, that's, that's part of a brand, then those things will equate to higher wages. Now, it's very interesting that branding is something that you build yourself and build over time along with a portfolio. And it's, it's tied, and t- tied hand in hand with a portfolio, things of that nature. There are, other, there are other factors that are sometimes, depending on what position you're working at, for example, as a studio owner or as a recording engineer, oftentimes location is a part of that factor, location and the aesthetics of that location. Um, but we're not going to talk about that. So the two main things are, once again, portfolio, aka experience and specialties, uh, background, and then branding. Those are the two, two main things. Like what makes... Um, obviously, uh, for some, for example, um, Chris Lord Algae, for example, is, is a great mixer. And if you've heard any of his mixes, they sound fantastic. They actually do. They really do sound great. And what's the difference between the guy that's charging as much as Chris Lord Algae and the guy that's probably in your hometown in the state of Michigan that might objectively work as well and as efficiently and as sounds as good as Chris Lord Algae. The difference is brand. That's all it is. Um, And a little bit of location is part of that brand as well, being in LA, you know, things of that nature. So that's things to talk about. So um, Lou, you're talking about portfolio. I want to, let's take another step back. And as we're kind of brainstorming, thinking about this, I love the idea and of helping people make starting to make some sort of substantial money. And I want to take a step back and talk about how lots of people have plenty of time. If you have a full-time job and you're single without kids, and we've talked about this on the show in the past, if you're single or you're dating someone, but you have no kids, you work full-time job, that means while still being able to maintain some kind of a social life, you typically still have an extra 15 to 20 hours that you can use spending building your business, Yeah. right? We've heard the phrase, uh, businesses are not built from nine to five, <laughs> they're built after, yeah. right? So if you want to maintain, let's say, 10 to 20 hours of some sort of social social maintenance and relationships, whether it's with a significant other or with friends, you still have probably another 10 to 20 hours that you could be building your business. Now, I call this a time budget. And the first thing that you should think about is how much of your time budget are you actually spending building your business? If you're in college or if you're younger than college or before pre-college or whatever, if you're not in that age yet, if you're 18 or younger, um, you want to be doing free work just to get into the door. Just, Just be given an opportunity. And what you're doing is when you go to school, you're paying for opportunities to, to, to enhance your skills. If you do free work, you're actually, um, you're actually not paying anything. There's no exchange of anything to be given the opportunity of, of growing your skills. So that's when you're younger, that's a lot more worth it. You have a lot more time. Um, it's a lot more, it's a great way to build that portfolio. And you're probably a lot more motivated to do it for free at that age. Lou, in the beginning years, beginning of your years, how, how motivated were you to do free work? Very, as long as it was with a group that I liked. And that didn't mean 
uh, big names. I remember getting really excited to work with a metal band whose name I can't even remember off the top of my head. We just used to play gigs with them all the time, and I loved to see them play. thought they had a great energy live, and... Uh, yeah, I remember showing up to his uh, to the lead singer's apartment and meeting up with him and his guitarist and just cutting some rough tracks on my old Sony Vio with a Tascam US100 and a 57, thinking, yo, I've got the gear. <laughs> the cool thing about doing free work, and this is actually super important, is that you pick who you want to work with. Oh, yeah. It's not totally free. You're still getting something out of it. What you're getting out of it is, is an addition to your portfolio. And when you're young and you have no portfolio, adding quality artists and quality songs to your portfolio yep. is worth its weight in gold. It's fantastic. It's great. So if you are doing work for free and you're in that stage and you work with someone you don't like, someone that you don't want to showcase, is in a genre that you don't want to do, Why it's probably it? not worth it. Yeah. I mean, just doing something in general, like even if I don't want to do country, just doing something in general, take up my time is better than nothing. But mm -hmm. the point of doing work for free is 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 to get it on your portfolio. Oftentimes, I would use free work, so I would do regular paid work, and then I would still offer free work to someone that I believed was above me, like in the mm. next league above me. And I would use that to get my foot into the door, to get into the next ring, the next ring of artists that were, um, I thought were uh, harder to reach and more talented and people that I wanted to work more, more with. Um, so that's so it's not totally free. You're getting something in return. It's just not money. So that's another thing. I would not do it for free just because they're your friend. It's it's in fact I would as a as a hard fine like this is one of those hard financial advice things. I would steer clear from working with friends and family. Yeah. I would steer clear of that. Just like just like here's another here's another broke boy rule. How to avoid being a broke boy. Never, ever lend money to family and friends, ever. In fact, the advice I'd give if you want to stay broke is to do that. Yeah, well, it's also <laughs> it's also if you want to, like, ruin your relationships. Like, if you yeah. want, because it's it's you can't maintain friendships when you let someone borrow money. Yeah. I mean, no matter how kind. I know people doing that are very kind, but as a hard and fast rule, be kind and be tough and don't allow that. Don't yep. allow that. And if you are going to allow it, don't call it letting them borrow it. Just give just, it. <laughs> just give it away. Don't. It's better to never expect it in return, um, and not because like, oh yeah, at this point I'm just being, you know, begged for money. It's like no. Um, so on that, life on the, is just easier. If there you, you go. And then on the opposite note, yeah. you should never expect to be paid for nothing too. Yeah. There is something that you do have to give when giving free work. Oh, and yeah. there's something that makes free work totally not worth it. And we're yeah. going to get into intermediate and advanced parts of your uh, career a little bit later. So bear with us here as we talk about the free work. Um, this is super important. There's no point of doing any sort of free or discounted work if you aren't going to do the work as if it's being, as if you're getting paid really great money. Like, you better do the best work you've ever done in your damn life, or it's not even worth doing the free work. Not only that, but if you ever, it, it's the same way when people say like, oh, well, I'm not getting paid as much as I normally do, then you shouldn't have accepted it. You it's, shouldn't, like, if that's the way you're going to act, then you should not have accepted 
at the project, even if they were going to give you something. If you knew you were going to act this way because you got paid less or you're not getting paid at all, then you shouldn't do it. Because one, you're setting the precedence of who they're working with. If they ever eventually have a budget, which thankfully in my past, like those that have done free work with eventually come back around and say, hey, I can finally afford it. I'd like to pay you as like, as like, thank you moving forward. We like, can talk about how to do that in just know? a moment too, because that doesn't just happen. It doesn't either. just happen. No, but you have to set the precedent, which is like, yeah, I'd really like to work with you in the future. Um, I really like this song. I really think before you release it, it could have like a better mix and really make it stand out. I'd love the opportunity to show you what I can do. I know that Budgets are tight right now, but um, how about we just call it for this one? And in the future, if you want to work together, we can work out a price and leave the conversation open for negotiation. You know, even if they still can't afford the full rate, you know, just do something. But if you turn in that free work and just saying, well, it was free. Then, yeah, you're, you're then even if they, even if they could afford half your rate, they still wouldn't hire you because it's only half the rate. It's not the full service. It'll never be the full service. Yeah, and the, and here's another downside to doing free work as well is that I mean psychologically, just from buyer's mentality here, um, people think that there's value based on the money that they spend. So the oh, yeah. more that they sacrifice, the more likely they're going to be satisfied with the product. This is actually a psychological thing that is happening. So if you do free work, then they feel and they feel like they sacrifice nothing for it, then they're statistically going to be less likely to be satisfied with the product, even if you did a damn good job. So yeah. um, here's the thing. There's... Um, like, for example, a great manager or a great wingman, right? If Lou's managing me mm -hmm. and I wanted to do some free work or Lou found an opportunity or I found an opportunity to work with this next tier, tier artist. And you could do this by yourself. You don't need a manager, but it, it's, it's, it's easier to do, be set up like this. But if Lou told person A, hey, DK typically charges two grand a song, but he really likes your shit. He really likes your music and he wants to put his name on your records. Mm -hmm. Right? He really and and honestly, he's just willing to do anything to get get it done. He's even willing to only charge five hundred bucks to make it happen. Now the artist either or maybe even free, it's like, hey, he's even willing to do it free. If you set it up correctly, then they feel like they're getting a significant deal and artists Oftentimes they, they value, highly value engineers and producers that really believe in them. Yeah. Um, it's incredible. It's inc incredible. Um, so if, if you set it up like that, that's going to make the artist feel a lot better. It's setting it up for success. But if you're doing free work and you start to sound desperate and you're willing to do anything to work with this person in exchange for nothing, that is, that is difficult to do. Um, also, if you want them to sacrifice something, it doesn't have to be money. So again, if you're doing free work and you, it's better for them to sacrifice something, maybe it's points, right? Maybe it's actual um, credits of some kind. Maybe even as something as stupid and silly as, okay, I'll do this for free if you wash my dishes for the next month, right? If it's a roommate. Literally. If it's a roommate. The point is, you follow th first, and if you do something like that, you follow through. You make sure that they do it. Yeah. You don't let them get away with not doing it or else that's part of this. It's, it's going to hurt you. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've done lots of, I've did literally recently. Mm -hmm. So one of my clients is a big keyboard influencer and, uh, like mechanical keyboards. And, and y'all know, some of y'all know that I build mechanical keyboards as a hobby and he's like, Hey dude, are you willing to do a mix for a keyboard? And I was like, yeah, if it's a metal casing high end keyboard, 
I'll do it, which is like probably might be more than what I charge. I don't know. Yeah. These keyboards get expensive, man. And I know he's like a super hobbyist. So, um, I was like, you know what? I will. That's one of the few times that's like, hey, it doesn't have to be money, but I'll sacrifice something. You can sacrifice something for this mix. And it worked out. Things of that nature. Yeah. To be honest, uh, I'm a big fan of the barter system up to a point. The only reason is this. There's something to be said about those who are very willing to uh to negotiate a barter system as a client reason being is that once you start saying uh you know i know we've bartered once or twice before can we keep doing that like what else can we trade you know there there's so much there's only so many things you can trade for over time you know at a certain point it's it's a good negotiation at the, uh, like a starting point or let's say that somebody's just really tight on funds um i've seen where uh, somebody says like, you know, I just do music for fun. It's like, well, you have a company, right? And it's like, yeah, it's like, and you sell computers for a living. Yeah. It's like, all right. So if you bought software, that'd be a write-off, right? It's like, yeah. It's like, all right, listen, it's going to be a win-win. How about you pay me, uh, by buying me this software I've been needing. It's a write-off for you. So you get to write it off at the end of the year, the music stuff you're doing by just saying that I bought software for work. And you give me the license. I get what I needed. You got a write-off. And it's a win-win. So not not everybody is too fond of the barter. And not always is it a very smooth trade. Like in this case, DK got a keyboard that he actually likes. This is one of his things. Um, if somebody offered me Pokemon cards, I don't know if I could do it unless it was a really high-end card that I knew I could flip. Because I don't need Pokemon cards to do my work. You know you what's know? crazy is that paying me as an engineer is also a write-off. Yeah, it's a you 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 have but to. But if you do it for a hobby, like let's say music's just for fun for now, mm, it's not a write off. Yeah, so I I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's only if you have a business setup. Yeah. Okay, let's go into um, intermediate here, and you want to start charging something, even if it's something small. This Ooh, is where a lot a of people are. At. This is where a lot of people are at. Um, I want to hear what you're going to say, Lou, but I want to first say that when you're charging more, one of the secrets to charging more is also how you feel about your own quality. It's not about your quality. I said specifically and explicitly how you feel about your own quality. So this is a, a lot about confidence as well. If you feel like you're, you're sick and tired of charging as little as you do, it's going to be significantly easier to charge more. But a lot of people don't feel like they charge enough. I know a lot of people, or sorry, let me say, rephrase that. I know a lot of people that don't want to charge more because they don't feel like they're worth it or they're scared of it or, or they're, they feel more pressure on them when they do charge more and they're, they're, they crumble on, under that pressure. So that just to be clear, there's a reason why people raise their rates slowly. It's partially psychological for the person providing the service. Um, and that's an aspect that people tend to forget too. If you were put in the room with Chris Brown right now and you have a year or two of experience, you're probably going to crumple. Like you're probably not going to do well. <laughs> and uh, it's okay that things take a long time. Okay, that's that's the only thing that I want to preface with as we dive into the intermediate. Lou, you had an idea with something? Yeah, uh, it kind of goes back to the whole branding. It's kind of why many people use Apple. Um, simplicity. 
and literally streamlining your workflow is the reason why you'll actually make more money. It's not the whole dollars per hour thing. That's that's a separate thing. Um, what I'm talking about is client experience. If you want to talk about like user interfaces and all that in a plugin, why some people like how simple a plugin works and that's why they just use it because it sounds good and it's easy to use. You just turn a couple knobs and gets you from point A to point B easier. Well, imagine if that's you as an engineer. Uh, the reason I bring up the Apple experience is because I can airdrop a file from my phone to my iPad to my laptop. I can use just about the same apps on every system and everything. So the funny thing is that you kind of want to create an experience for your client, like how easy it is to communicate with you, how easy it is to get files from you, how easy is it to recall those files, get revisions done. Um, all these things that you could simplify are the reason you'd make more. If you know somebody who saw you throughout your career, your growth to a point where you're now finally starting to charge more and they're like, hey, I want to intern for you. You know what? Teaching somebody how to start prepping sessions and all that, even at an early stage, can actually set them up for success alongside you. But it's also one of those things where it's like, hey, this person wants to learn and I'm kind of still growing. But as I scale upward, I'm trying to take on more mixes. It'd be a good idea for me to actually have somebody who preps my mixes for me and everything. So once again, how easy is it for you to jump onto the next project? You know, once again, simplifying your workflow and simplifying communication and interactions with clients would make you more money than any plugin that's going to get you even at that intermediate stage. There are some plugins that I like to use every time and I feel make the, you know, the music better or whatever, but all that's tonally subjective. It's not financially subjective. You know, if I had that plugin or not, I'd still make the same money. What makes me money is my client's experience with me. Yeah, big, that's that is huge, huge aspect, client experience. And we'll dive deeper into that in just a moment as well. All right, I know a lot of people, I get a lot of DMs, a lot of DMs about people specifically. I want to start charging something. And it's it's incredibly interesting to me why they haven't already started doing that. <laughs> Charge something, mm-hmm. even if it's minimum wage. You know, I think it's more about setting the expectation, not just with your clients, but also with yourself, that your time is valuable. Um, The game does change when you start charging. When you do things for free, there's very little pressure to perform. And I also know a lot of people who who are emotionally not ready and not mature enough to start charging. Because there is all of a sudden an instantaneous amount of weight per project. And I, this is when, uh, this is, even if you charge $15 an hour, if you've never charged anything before for a, what you what was a hobby previously, it's going to change completely. What and is for, it? Imposter syndrome? There you go. There, yeah. You might start to feel some imposter syndrome. Um, you might, you might just, you might just feel really bad or it's just all of a sudden you lose motivation to do a project because you're not doing it necessarily. It's for work now. Most people that are hobbyists do not have the emotional capability and maturity and, and the desire even, and which is okay to, uh, do this for work. And this is really interesting. This could be an entire podcast episode in itself. And I know other podcasts that have talked about this specific aspect. In fact, um, an episode of Modern Wisdom talked about this briefly. It's crazy how the mindset changes as soon as you're getting paid to do some sort of work. One, mm-hmm. it's you got to understand and you have to have a conversation with yourself and think about whether or not you actually want to potentially ruin this as a hobby. <laughs> 
Do you do you love it enough that you know, like one, if it's like a hobby that's like, oh, I like to do this, it's not really worth ruining. But yeah. if it's something that you're willing to die for, you know, then that's enough of a desire where it's like, okay, you might not ruin it. It might, because it's going to go through the winds and fires of tribula- tribulation and wondering back and forth whether or not you want to quit this hobby completely. And if, you're, if your hobby is, is floating in the wind, barely held by a hair, you know, you, you don't want to risk it by charging money. But if you're you ready know. to take that next step. If you're ready to take that next step, charge something. You know, it's kind of funny because, like, you reminded me of somebody that I haven't thought about in years. But, like, something he told me, uh, we were uh, we were working on an album. We were at, like, this major studio. I forget what it's called. It's, like, under a hotel and everything. But, like, this is one of those, like, where, like, the label's paying for everything. So, like, everybody's pulling in and everything. So everybody's invoice is taken care of. Um, but there was one guy and... Uh, and I asked him, like, so how do you know the camp? He's like, oh, uh, like half of the people here are my client. And I was like, oh, so you're not like a writer or anything. He's like, no, I wouldn't call myself a writer. And I was like, hey, did you ever write? He's like, I guess you can call me a retired writer. Uh, he's like, I- I've got a few platinum plaques and I've got a nomination and everything. But um, I just didn't like that it felt like work anymore. So I focused on my company and you know needless to say i make more than half the people in this room now and i just kind of come when i want to have fun and i still get credits here and there but i i only show up when i think it's going to be a fun day you know and i kind of looked at him i was like that's kind of crazy that you like retired but you're still around like what are you doing but i was like but i didn't really think about it at the time as like he stepped away because he wanted it to stay fun and he didn't want it to be work anymore and he focused on something that made him money so that he can still enjoy the fun. And that's totally okay. Because at the end of the day, you could still be in the room. You just might not be in the room at the same capacity. Interesting. Yeah. And we could talk about doing things for fun more, especially in the advanced stage, because that's super important in the advanced stage. Yeah. And you uh, actually have a little more time for it. Yeah. There you go. And and I also want to tell a little story. My band in college was all fun and games. Everybody enjoyed it. Everybody was, everybody in the band, and it was a funk band with a full horn section, so it was eight people in this band. Eight people in this band, and we all were willing to do anything for a gig, do anything for practice, drop everything for whatever. It was so much fun. As soon as we got our first, maybe our second paid gig, and I started giving money out, paying band members for their time practicing, for the time for the show, the band went to total shit. It went to total shit. And this is in college. Everybody started getting greedy. Everybody started being like, I can't show up to practice unless I'm not getting unless I'm getting paid. Is this a paid gig? All right, then I'm not rehearsing. And and, and the, the mentality completely changed. When you throw money into the situation, into the equation, people change. The 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 equation, the the scenarios change. Which is okay, and it's expected, and you have to build, if you're the leader of that band, then you have to build management skills as well, and you have to understand how humans think and how money moves people. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, just, just be aware that the first step, when you start charging something, when you start making a little bit of money, 
Things dramatically change, and there's no way of fully understanding how things change until you start charging money. How do you know if doing music for a career is, is the thing for you? You don't know until you're charging money. That's why in every single city, no matter where you go, there's that 40 to 60-year-old guy or girl that just does it for free in the neighborhood, yeah. and they pick and choose who they want to work with. It's because they did it for money maybe once, and they have some cool history, but they got a regular job and they made more money than they could have ever from music from what they felt like they could have ever from music. Yeah. And now they're back to doing it for a hobby and they really, really love doing it. You'd be surprised how many of those people still have the same gear that they had, which is like nowadays, like let's, let's just pretend that they, they stepped away for th 30 years. We're talking about gear from like the 90s, right? Some of these guys have holy grails out there. I remember going to a guy. Oh, gear, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember going to my uncle's friend's house when I was 18, and he was, like, explaining this piece of gear that I just had no clue about. But then, like, five years later, when I start having a clue about it, um, the dude was showing me a BCM-10 sidecar, an original Neve sidecar that we recorded through. Now, granted, the recording wasn't great. Uh, I think he stepped away for, like, obvious reasons um but um what was the obvious reasons lou well i think i explained it with the recordings not being that great okay, okay, okay. <laughs> even with the bcm 10 which is once again a great example of why you don't need to invest the world into it um especially nowadays but uh with that said um you know don't ever think about like the free guys not being competition either for the same reason you know, some people stepped away and do it for fun. And because of that, that is part of your competition now. Some people are much more connected and still free. So when you're doing free work, once again, don't half-ass the work. We're going to take a quick break to let you know that this episode has been brought to you by Tegler Audio based out of Berlin. Tegler makes fantastic analog pieces of equipment. Everything from compressors, both tube, VCA as well, from reverbs to recording channel strips to tube summing mixers and to my favorite piece that I personally own and have and use is the Schwarcraft machine, which is digitally controlled compression, 11 different types of compressor. I mean, this thing is built to the brim with tubes and transformers it's fantastic they have digitally controlled analog gear which i'm a huge huge fan of they've got two different pieces of that they've got 500 series gear so whether you're a tracking engineer a mixing engineer or a mastering engineer you need to check out this high quality company tegler and guess what their prices they're not they're not crazy they're mid-range prices for high-end equipment. They're like a fantastic company. We love them so much. And if you want 10% off any of their gear, you can go to their website directly or from their shop directly, or I'll link it in mixingmusicpodcast.com slash Tegler, T-E-G-E-L-E-R, and use the code MMPOD to get 10% off your next order. Now back to the show. Yeah, so... Uh well, again, so stepping into the intermediate world where you're starting to charge for the first time, just do it. Try it out. Yeah. Um, understand. Read the warning signs. Go into it. There's no way you're going to find out if it's for you or not until you try. And honestly, it's mostly a decision. It's mostly a decision. If you are feeling any sort of fear about charging 5 to $15 an hour for your time, an hourly in the early stages is very okay. It's very normal. And don't feel uh, scared to blacklist the client no. too early. Yeah. Yeah. It's better for you to say no to clients and blacklist clients than it is to be blacklisted. So, yeah. 
So just be aware. Don't set your don't don't set yourself up for failure. I think that's what you're saying as well. Don't set yourself yeah. up for failure. Just be aware of situations and scenarios. Anyway, um, okay. Now you want to start charging more. Let's go to the upper end of in- intermediate real quick. You want to start charging more. Typically, the signs of when you should be start charging more, unlike a regular corporate job. Uh, something that is not a sign of when to charge more is you've been doing this a long time. Now, if you're working a regular corporate job, if you've been doing this for an entire year or maybe two, then it is typical to then practice your assertiveness to go up to your boss and say, I've been working here for a while. I've built some leverage and I believe I'd like to cash in that leverage for a raise. Yeah. All right. Let's say you're freelancing and you had 20 hours of time a week that you could dedicate to working on music and building your career, okay? Uh, After two, three years even, maybe five years even, you still have only banked up to an average of three to 10 hours a week that you're barely filling out. Maybe you still got a couple free clients, just not haven't been pushing it, haven't been doing that well for whatever reason, regardless of the reason or the excuse. Uh, That is not a good time to raise your prices. No. No. You want to raise the best time to raise your prices is when you've been do working so damn hard and you you are maxing out those 20 hours from week to week that you cannot say yes to better projects or you're you're almost frustrated with how little you're charging. That is when you raise your prices. It's it's when your ego catches up with you. That's a great time to raise your prices. Let your ego flourish. <laughs> no, for real though. Again, going back to what yeah. I said earlier about the yeah. confidence, the worst thing to start charging more is when you feel like you haven't deserved it. So actually, you know what? <laughs> I saw this a lot. Uh, I hate to admit it during the pandemic. Uh, people were saying as times are slower, unfortunately I can't do it for the same rate as um Work has been slow, so I'm going to have to increase prices to make up the deficit. And I'm like, that's poor marketing well, that's, and branding. Well, that's basic economics 101. No, no, no. I understand Supply that. Supply and demand. Yeah, but if there's no demand for you already. And there's then, high supply and low demand. You, yeah, and you suddenly. Prices. Well, think about it. If if nobody was hiring you at 300 already, right? What's what's making me hire you at 400? Nothing. Exactly. Nobody wants to hire you already. So exactly. why are you raising your price? You're 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 already making it worse for yourself. Exactly. Oh, so if you are in college and if you if this is uh, available to you, especially if it's available to you at for no extra cost or very little extra cost, I would recommend taking a basic economics class. Yeah. Uh, also like a basic advertising class. These are classes that were not part of my general or my advanced education for my degree that like I didn't need these, but it was probably like the best classes that I've ever taken was economics. Um, You learn a lot about how money moves and how markets work (laughs) and advertising. You learn a lot about storytelling, branding, um, a lot of creative assets uh, and and yeah, like how to present yourself as a brand or other present other brands. Right. Um, Fantastic classes. Fantastic classes. Also um, writing um, copyright writing for like business and stuff like that. That's part of advertising. Great or great classes. Anyway, um, yes, that's true. Think about, do not charge more just because you're getting less busy. That's how you say no. There's something um, you're going to have to think about as well. I mean, 
This is an actual calculatable number. We've talked, I love talking about this. this is one of my favorite concepts that I learned from my economics classes, elasticity, which is how much more you can charge, the balance between how much more you can charge and how many clients you're going to lose. And this is something that you're going to have to think about the elasticity of your business. For example, um, if Disney, I'm going to simplify the numbers. If the Disney theme park, right? If Disneyland charges $50 per ticket and get 100,000 people, um, and then they raise their prices to double $100 per ticket and only 50,000 people, then the elasticity, that is worth it for the company because now they get the same amount of money, but there's less people coming to the park. So that means there's better experience for each person coming to the park because there's less longer lines and there's less maintenance that needs to be done, less cleaning, less less uh, hourly workers and wages that you have to pay because there's less people that need to fill the shops because there's less people. It's totally worth it, right? So you may have to think about this as well. I will say the, the only thing that I would consider is that in the beginning stages of your career, if you're trying to build your brand and build your portfolio, if you do have a one-to-one option between charging $50 for 10 people or $100 for five people, it's better to charge $50 for 10 people in the beginning stages of your career. Even though you make the same amount of money, what happens is that now you have more people that you blow away that totally believe in your brand, that spread your gospel, that talk about, that spread that word of mouth. It's worth it, more worth it in the beginning. Later, more in the advanced stages, which we'll get to in a moment, it's going to be more worth it to switch over to the $100 for fifty pe- or for five people. We're going to talk about why in just a moment. Um, but in the beginning stages, it is actually worth it to not give a shit about elasticity and just, just get as many people in the door as possible. Because at the end of the day, almost 100% of all of our work is word of mouth. Yeah. Uh, Lou, ha- when was the time... Can you even think of uh, a time where it was completely random not word of mouth in some way or another i there's very few for me in fact i can't even like there's maybe like that where one i get person. hired for something and it's no word of mouth because i mean even if you get like even on engineers or sound mm-hmm. better you're on there's they're still reading your reviews yeah they're That's still weird. looking at something about yeah okay i think i understand um no yeah i don't think i have no i think I think even then, the few times that I can count it, I was working at a retail store where, like, it's a very niche thing. And, like, the client was like, can I hire you to help me do this? But that's not necessarily word of mouth. That's more, like, proximity to that niche. And even then, there's, like, some level of trust built just by you standing behind the desk. So even then, I still can't count it. I still can't count it. You know, they're just like, well, you have to know something. You work here. Yeah. Yeah, but nobody just hires you out of the blue. That's the crazy thing about word of mouth is it's the easiest and fastest way to get over that trust barrier. Getting over that trust barrier is the most important thing. You know, I actually had, uh, I spoke with somebody uh, the other day on this project that I'm doing. And uh, he was shocked by me saying that I do not actively promote or put on a website or anything online about my uh, construction or studio design business. And he's like, I don't understand. How did they find out about you? I was like, it was all word of mouth. And he's like, okay. Uh, Cause I found out he was doing the psych wall there. You know, the, the big round wall room for photos and videos and all that. And those are big projects. They're not, they're not small projects by any means. You got, you got to have um, a history to get hired for those things. But he's like, you don't, you don't have like a portfolio or online or anything. I was like, no, he's like, how did you land the contract? I was like, because of my name. Uh, I don't have a business card or anything. He's like, 
do you have anything? I'm like, I have a phone number. You can call me and we can sit down and have a conversation. But, um, you know, word of mouth is all of my business. World of, word of mouth is more important than business cards. Than <laughs> the business cards, I throw them away all the time. If I go to Nam, I hold on to the stack, but I think I've had the same stack that I haven't gone through in like five years. Yeah, the only business cards I hold on to are either friends yeah. or um, businesses, that I, businesses that I can get something out of. For example, as someone that hosts a platform where I'm looking for advertisers. Yeah. Yeah, Nam. Uh, I remember getting uh, an aquarium company's uh, business card because I was like, well, that's actually something that's pretty hard to find. You know what? Like, you guys do what? They're like specialty uh, aquariums. I'm like, I I have a client for you. It's not me, but you wouldn't believe the the amount of work it took to find one company and they weren't available. Yeah. (laughs) And the only reason I found them was because it was all over their van. Like, they had those like vinyl uh, advertisement vans. And yeah, yeah, I stopped them in the middle of a parking lot. They were reversing. I stopped my car right behind them. I was like, I need you. (laughs) There you go. go. Um, And and another thing that we need to talk about as well is throughout this intermediate stage, it's very important to talk about that, that you're still growing your skill. So you're still getting better. You're still learning. So you need to take into account of that as well. This is going from intermediate advanced is a lot of different things. One of them is uh, a balance of skill to ego. Now, if you have not enough skill but a big ego, you're not going to get to the advanced stage. You're going to find out. Fuck around and find out. If you have, if you have a lot of experience but too little ego, it's also going to be difficult to get into the advanced stage. You have to have the right ratio. You need to be confident, and the only way you can do this is through experience. This is not a decision that you make. This is just, I've done so many records, I know I'm good because of all of the feedback that I've had through the years and the thousands of records that I've done, that I know, like, am I, and I know I'm good, I know I'm better than these guys that are getting paid more than me. And it's, again, going back to that frustrated for how much you're charging and, and how little people, it feels like people are respect, you know, respecting you for what you feel like you deserve. A little bit of that superiority complex comes in from just from just straight experience that's the only way you can do that then we jump into the advanced stage you know i'd like to pose a question two questions actually and and we can answer both of them at the same time all right there's the repetition of the word ego but would you say first question that the evolutionary stage from going from having an ego to being confident is what Sorry, gets I'm you using, to the I'm using stage. ego in general. No, no, no. I get it. I get it. Confidence, yeah. but just to just to make it clear, in in that case, like there's also confidence without ego. Yeah, like, I'm not using ego in that sense. This okay. is this is semantics here, and I'm yeah. not using ego in that sense. I'm, okay. I'm using ego as in because because mixing and music is so subjective, right? Yeah, I'm using ego as in, in personal belief. Yeah. yeah, so personal confidence. So it doesn't yeah. matter whether or not you're good, but so, it's like it's your personal understanding of yourself. Second part of this question, because everybody always confuses this for advanced stage and higher end of intermediate. As part of people's branding, people will buy a lot of gear, and because of that, they believe they can charge more. That, that is definitely not, if you notice, we've never talked about that at all. And not once has it come up, but everybody's kind of like in this mindset of, you know, this guy charges more because look at his studio. That is That may be part of your branding. That may be part the of your branding. The only way that that could affect your income is because it's part of your branding. And you're such a low cost that it's attractive. 
even then, that's that's if think you have it. a lot of gear and think you're low it. cost, you that's a no, red flag. That's well, a red think about flag. it. If you're new to this industry, and this is this is where I see it working. If you're new to this industry and all you've ever seen is studios with lots of gear, and you assume those are the big flashy studios and the rooms that people know what they're doing. I would assume that you as a new artist that doesn't really know like that it's has almost little to nothing to do with the specific gear, your your end result, that you're gonna hire them first before the guy that has no gear and works from home, let's say like in my office where I just have that little desk like you used to have. Um, this is a lot more attractive to a new artist who doesn't know much better, that has kind of a you know, starter budget, maybe two, three hundred bucks. And this guy is offering that for two, three hundred bucks. You know, I would assume that because of the imagery behind the branding, you'd probably be hired more. But once you get no, to the no, advanced no, dude, stages, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you this every single yeah. time. And I've seen this a uh, half a dozen time plus mm-hmm. every single time I see a middle aged older dude with tons of gear charging too little. Chris Lord Algae. No, no, too little. Charging too little <laughs> is is in my mind. The first thing that comes to my mind is what company did you build for a couple decades not doing music at all and successfully was able to sell to ah. finally make enough time for music? Ah, okay, okay. So I'm like, that's my mind. And the half a dozen times that I see that, that's almost exactly the story. They build a company, they sold it, or they were some sort of financial officer, some some sort of hyper successful person, even in the corporate world. Yeah. And then they finally have the time to go back to their true love music. So they have a lot of gear and they have a lot of money and they have a lot of time. But they don't know how to use it. But they spent the last couple decades building something completely different. Yeah. So um, that's, for me, a huge red flag. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as like quality of work goes. So, again, go back. I, I would actually say it might be a good idea if you do, if you are in that situation and you're getting back into music after decades of doing the smart thing of making money. I would recommend actually either not cutting at all, mm-hmm. um, not charging anything at all, or charging like a ridiculous amount. And then letting people come in and be like, hey, I actually charge like $400 an hour, obviously. I mean, look at this shit. Yeah. But, I mean, y'all can just come in for like, for cheap because I know you because yeah. you're my friend's son or something. Some I, I like shit. that approach. I like that approach. Because that way you kind of maintain the but, branding without being a cheap guy. So once again... I don't think that's an advanced stage thing, though. I think that still brings you all the way back to intermediate. And I think that's kind of my point in the question. Like, if at any point you think that buying gear means that you can charge more, I hate to tell you, but I could probably out-record and mix you with Focusrite. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Be careful with the gear. Don't let it, don't let those eyes, especially in the intermediate intermediate stage, if you want to get to the advanced stage, you have to learn. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> there's also marketing from the brands that are selling it. Like just yeah. there's there's certain things that are really great, but I wouldn't buy into the latest greatest every time. Okay, so this is from the words of Alex Hormozzi if you know him from YouTube. There's three things that are similar. Every there's a pattern of the three things that are similar with every single hyper successful person. He says hyper successful, not successful, hyper successful person. And this is a little bit unrelated to the topic, but I think that there's some things that we can pull from this, especially the third point. Um, you, he said, you'd think it'd be like having a breakfast every morning or going to the gym or working out or having a morning routine, waking up at five in the morning, doing ice baths. He's like, no, actually the three most common things between all hyper successful people is one crippling insecurity, never feeling, feeling like you're enough Two, a superiority complex, feeling like you deserve more. And number three is impulse control. 
being able to control your impulses and being able to sacrifice now for betterment later. And this is where a lot of people, most people are unable to do this. It is very rare. Um, and it comes from, it comes from a little, it's be, it's being smart. Um, it can come from dark places as well. But anyway, the point of those three things, this is going from intermediate advanced. I'm going to focus on impulse control because here's the thing. You cannot go to advanced unless you understand how to keep track of your finances for your businesses, how to build systems and how to have emails automatically reply, um, taking care of your clients really well, responding the same day, answering your phone, answering your emails, being available, um, having fast turnovers. These are all things that require you to get to an advanced point of a specific thing, especially if you're trying to specialize in something as just mixing. Um, if you're just mixing, you have to answer emails, you have to answer phone calls, you have to be pleasant to work with, you have to have your finances in, 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 in um, uh, having your finances in order, um, being the type of person that takes care of their taxes, right? Um, staying out of debt and recovering from, um, recovering from debt. These are all things. Um, if you do not have the basics, you will never make more money. And, and honestly speaking, people are always wondering young, stupid people. And I'm definitely partially still young and stupid, right? But I was even more younger and stupider, (laughs) (laughs) you know, before, and I did not understand the importance of basic principles like impulse control, friendliness, kindness, the ability to give, selflessness, responsibility, things that are basic. Things that are basic. I'm dead serious. This is the secret between intermediate to advanced. It is not knowing the right person. Because even if you knew the right person, but you were a shit awful person, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're going to ruin that shot. Yes, you might be given a shot, but you have to have the value and the responsibility, the character in place. If you are the type of person to still consider, even consider screwing someone over, considering how to be greedy. I know the media portrays wealthy people to be cheaters, awful liars, skanks, whatever. That is not reality. Reality is the higher you up you go, the kinder people are, the more selfless people are. And when you look down, you realize that all of the greedy people that never wanted to tip anybody were the ones that were poor to begin with. It was it was as simple as that. Get your fucking thick skull around reality because media portrays wealthy people differently than what they are. They want you to be bitter so you stay at the bottom. They want you to hate wealthy people so you stay at the bottom. It's an easy con play that most people do not have the IQ enough to see past. It's a simple hedge bush that all you have to do is jump to look over. And it takes a little bit of pain. You have to hit your ego has to to go down. You realize, oh my gosh, there's something that I can learn from these people. If you go into a room of people that have done more than you and you enter the room with an air of arrogance and hubris, you will never be accepted into their circle. Simple things. Humility, responsibility, impulse control, that over time. And you prove over time when it's difficult to be selfless. It's easy to be selfless if you have a lot of money. It's difficult to be selfless when you have nothing. And if you can prove to the people above you that you're, you're a good, strong character even when you have nothing, when it's most difficult to have strong character, to be honest and have integrity, they will want to invite you to the top. That's how the world works.
And the great thing is, is that it's accessible to anyone. I mean, this is something that I don't even know why people get shit for, right? And luckily, I'm in an, I'm not a white indigenous man, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. No matter if you're from the hood, if you're from the trenches, no matter the color of your skin, the power follows the blame finger. I'm going to repeat that again. No matter what situation you are from, no matter what autism or disease or, or whatever situations and disabilities you have, the power follows the blame finger. The power follows the blame finger. And if you choose to point it at yourself and to learn responsibility to grow as a man or a woman, as a human being, to step above all of the bullshit the world has given you or you feel like has given you. And you take responsibility for your own character and personality and actions to the point where you no longer even consider taking advantage of someone. That wasn't even a thought. Kindness was the default. Then I think you're ready for the advanced stage. And here's the thing. People at the top are gatekeeping. And I know you know this firsthand, Lou. People are gatekeeping. They gatekeep from losers who aren't able to do as something as simple as that. I'm, I'm very passionate about this, if you can tell. And it's also, Lou, I, I want to have, do you have some real world examples of, of people ruining, ruining opportunities from being unable to, <laughs> to do the simple things? Uh, do I have examples? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh yeah, I could tell you about uh literally just had somebody shoot themselves in the foot on a project. Um I got I got word from somebody that uh my name was thrown into a room uh saying that they worked for us. Uh did you tell me this story? No. Oh, okay. This this happened like about two. I feel weeks like ago. this something this happens every once in a while. Someone yeah. says they they claim they worked for us. Yeah, they claim to work for us and everything, and they they never assume that like you know people are going to call it a fact check, especially in our industry, which is like you know I, I tell people all the time like one of the dumbest things you can do in L.A. is name drop uh, without reason or or I guess you can say without an open door to do so. Uh, because chances are everybody in the room has worked with the same exact fucking people. There's only um, 50 professionals. Yeah, realistically, yeah. But, you know, they said, hey, you know, I got so-and-so saying that they were one of your assistants, this and that, and, uh, you know, they were working alongside you for about, like, two years. I was like, two years? There's only been one assistant that I've had for two years. He's like, oh, it's so-and-so. I was like, Oh no, that's not them. They're like, all right, cool. Mark them as a liar. All right, cool. We're good. Thanks. I was like, that. easy as that. Literally, you didn't have to lie. Everybody knows everybody. Um, and it's it's one of those things where it's like I understand wanting to shoot for more, and I'm all for it. And everybody knows that if you work for me, I will try to do more, and I will always be the person that tries to do more, even if shit goes and hits the fan. I'm like, it'll be fine. It will work out. I'm I'm a very positive person, even though I can be a dick sometimes, but realistically speaking that's because at the end of the day you just kind of had to move with this notion that like if something didn't work out it just didn't work out but if you're going to go out and start lying to people to try to get your way yeah part of the gatekeeping is to keep you out for a reason if if you're going to lie about who you're around 
and everybody knows everybody, then why would they trust you with their clients' projects and files? They might have signed an NDA for something only for you to go and post it on Instagram just to get yourself into another room. Um, this happened twice at the Cardi thing. And it's kind of funny because um, what's-his-name gets mad about the second instance because he didn't have anything to do with the second instance, uh, Ashby. Uh, there was a second Cardi uh, B and Beyonce track that was supposed to come out. And... Um, you know, he didn't have anything to do with it. He wasn't even in the room, but apparently an intern from the studio wanting to flash that he was part of a session, uh, took a photo and uh, posted it. And once again, second record dropped uh, out of the face of earth and never got released or anything, all because people wanted to post about it. And unfortunately, because, you know, Ashby was the first person, whether he claims to be or not, it's it's not really, I don't have an opinion on it. I don't really care. Um, point is that unfortunately, Due to people's view on you for that, they kind of assumed it was him again. And, you know, they're like, oh, this again, this thing again, they're bringing it back up. It's like, no, this is a separate instance. But because you're you've now had this associated to your name, it's probably a lot harder for you to get work now because it's probably harder to trust you for these things. Not because you did or didn't do whatever. It's just that now that's associated to your name. So when I got the call and they're like, they said they were your assistant for like two years. I'm like, no. That's not true. And that was the end of the conversation. That's all they needed to know. There you go. And to, to be honest, it was a big opportunity. It yeah. was a really big opportunity. And that's probably why they felt the pressure to lie. Yeah. You know, and it makes sense. Here's yeah. the thing. Here's the, this could is have such, asked for help. <laughs> this is such an interesting concept. And this is sad. When your friends go through a divorce or a mm-hmm. breakup or something bad where reality hits them in the face, mm-hmm. you know whose fault it never is? Their own. Their own. It's never, oh, my wife or my husband was crazy. Yeah. Their family is the one that ruined it. Again, power, power follows the blame finger. You know, there's uh, a lot of men that go through a breakup early and they're like, this is the reason why I'm going to hit the gym. You know what? I was a fuck up and I didn't know how to communicate. So I'm going to go with therapy and hit the gym. Then that man is going to find a much better future, significant yeah. other. That's how it works. You know, it's kind of funny because, um, uh, today I got an email from Voyage LA that uh, I guess an article interview thing that I did is coming out or is now live or whatever. Um, but in the thing I mentioned, it asked like one of the challenges that you experience. And I mentioned like, oh, there was a certain point where I was working so hard that it felt like I almost lost my relationship to it. I n- at no point did I ever say like, oh, it's because, you know, my fiance or this and that or because of work. It's like, no, I just didn't know how to prioritize my time. I did not know how to like better schedule myself. I did not know how to do this. But the funny thing is the person that's here today is significantly better at that. The person that's here today has actually learned, moved on and adapted to a new sense. And because of that, I'm much better than the old version of myself. But if you keep saying that everybody around you is the issue, that's why they're gatekeeping, to be honest, because at what point are you going to point the finger at them? Yeah, literally one of the flags that we talk about when we hire interns, when we hire from interns to a proper uh, paid position, is about a lot of that. Consistency. It's about what is hu- your hubris. It's about hubris. It's about arrogance. It's about that. It's a lot of exactly what you're talking about. So I want to, the reason why this is so important and the reason why I'm making such a big deal about this, because we'll talk about boundaries and we, I mean, there's a bunch of episodes that we, boundaries are a big deal for us. And this is more for like sus, sustainability um, with your career. If you're doing this for the long game, uh, for the long game, you have to set boundaries. You have to set rules, things that you're not willing to do. You cannot make a career 
Um, you should not raise children that you do not like in the sense that you should not say yes to clients that you don't like working with. Because at the end of your career, if you find out that half your clients are people that you don't like working with, that's on you. That's your fault. Yeah. Okay. But before we get into that, the reason why you want to do this is here's the here's another thing. Just like it's never their fault, people at the bottom of the barrel that are scraping and pulling other people down when they're about to get to get out, get out of the pit of despair. They pull them down. They grab them by the ankles and pull them back down. Remember, it's never their fault. They start blaming the system sucks. Wealthy people are terrible people. And there are parasitic elite. There are. They exist. But I'm giving, I'm telling you right now, they are few and far between and definitely not something that you should waste any sense of any moment giving a shit about most of the time. Most of the time. Until you get to the point where you are significantly influential. Then it starts to become a big deal. If you're at the bottom of the barrel, I guarantee the parasitic elite, you have nothing that you, they want to take from you anyway. So anyway, remember, the people that are pulling from the bottom, pulling people down, it's never their fault. They're going to blame everything else. They're gonna, you're going to feel sympathy towards them. It's going to be really tough to, to work around that. You have to work around that. You have to be ready. Number two, the reason why you want to have integrity, the reason why you want to be honest, the reason why you want to have good character is because of ego as well. For example, if you've built your career and have had a little bit of success from lying, from cheating, from being cunning, your ego will drop down on you. That's where imposter syndrome comes. If you live your life being completely honest with yourself and with others around you, your conscience will be clear enough that you actually will feel some sort of a healthy superiority complex. I deserve more because I've been restraining myself. I've been, I've been very good. I've been on the good boy list, not on the not, not on Santa's <laughs> naughty list. I know I deserve it more than everyone else around me because I've been good and working so hard for so long. Part of the reason why people work out and go running is to clear their conscience, to recognize that they've now trying to eradicate everything else that is wrong with them. They're showing that they're hardworking, that they're willing to sacrifice, and the only difference between them and their future successful them is time. That's the only difference. When you break it down that simply, that's the reason why a lot of people work out and run. To and be honest, it's... Last night, it was full-on therapy for me. There you go. I spent four hours trying to learn how to do rendering software. And by the time Anna got to my office, she saw me just in shambles, just like frustrated, angry, anxious. And I'm like, I need to go to the gym. We went to the gym. And sure enough, like two hours later, I'm like, I feel like a new person again. There you Uh, go. I, I just needed to get that stress out. Yeah, you remember you are the type of person that can do hard things. Yeah. Especially, especially for men, that is very important. Okay. Um. I, th- I think that that's really getting from advanced at that point is is the only thing that's important is what we were talking about that meta stuff that we were talking about because at that at that point um, and if you're doing all of those things meta really well we talked I've talked to a couple managers right and and the managers they say that it's not even worth managing you until you start to make at least eighty to one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year for them to take a percentage that's worth it enough for them to want to promote you even if it so was it's like ten percent let's just say that that's only eight grand a year to manage you. so so exactly it's not enough for them. Exactly. So the reason why it's so important to get your shit together and be that type of person is because nobody will give you a proper chance until you're proven that you can do that shit on your own. The labels don't <laughs> sign people unless you're getting millions on TikTok or, or YouTube or whatever, unless you're going viral on your own. That's just the factual truth. 
That's just the truth. And, and how are you going to go viral? Point. How are you going to do that unless you're consistent, unless you're the type of person that's able to sacrifice? This is all, it's just, it rolls into each other. If you're the type of person that's complaining about never going viral, that's never able to do it, I'm always the nice guy. You're probably not. If you're saying that, you're probably not. Um, I'm, I, why are my people not giving me a chance? It's probably because you don't deserve one. Honestly, shut the fuck up and keep your head down and keep working. Yeah. Realize impulse control. Impulse control. And I'm saying it again, impulse control. Keep your head down. Keep working. If you yourself telling yourself that you're, what you're doing is right and that's not enough, then something's wrong. Keep doing what you do, what you know is right. Do the right thing. Keep doing the right thing. That's how you stand out above others. To become extraordinary. This is again that James Clear quote is sometimes doing ordinary things over and ex- repeated over an above average amount of time. Right. So literally, that's all it is. Be kind. I'm not even going to say the advanced techniques is to mani- like do this, do this, talk to this person, talk to a manager, get into that. No, 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 no. To get into higher pay, fucking is just be a dope ass person. That's all it is. And here's the thing. I didn't say be a smart person. <laughs> you can have a, you can be, you can be, <laughs> you can, be the you can have an 80, you can be an ADIQ and still people will want to invest in you if you know how to work hard and you understand this simple, easy to understand lesson. You know, I hate to admit, but some of the people in the higher places, they, they, you know, they're still they, learning. They're still learning. They're still learning. You know, and here's yeah, the thing: they, yeah. the most importantly, they know they're, that they're still learning. Yeah, and they're cool, and they just know what the they're client humble. needs, and they're like, "All right, cool. As long as my client's happy, we're good." And let that be the notion for all advanced right? engineers. If you're just making sure your client's good, keep that's your it. conscience clear. Be a good person. That's it. Uh, set that's up boundaries. happy clients and just tons of experience just keep doing whatever it takes to get it done all right um read books also all right uh exercise and read books there you go that's always that's always uh, audiobooks are still an option audiobooks (laughs) are great man uh the only reason why i recommend physical books is because uh the actual therapy of sitting down to do something that takes a lot of focus like reading is is very important as well that's good cognitive therapy all right on that note uh i think we're done for today's episode thank you so much for listening if you're listening on spotify please rate us the five star it's super easy it's really easy to do and we really appreciate that if you're listening on apple music or google or anything like that don't just leave five star Leave a couple words of review, you know, and, and that really helps you us give get a discovered. Lou name. Yeah. Yeah. And say, you know, say some kind things. Say, give us some Lou names. There you go. And on that note, happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.